0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Music for a While. I'm Jay Nordlinger, music critic of the New Criterion. You know what time it is, right? I mean, seasonally. This is Lean Teen Price, live in Munich, 1968. Summertime, from George Gershwin's opera Porgy and Bess, sung by Leontine Price in Munich on what must have been a cold day, January 27, 1968. The orchestra was the Bavarian Radio Symphony Orchestra under Carlo Franchi. I heard Price sing Summertime in recital about a dozen times, and they all were different. Each rendering was different from all the others, relying on the inspiration of the moment, and all were wonderful. In Carnegie Hall recently, Anne-Sophie Mütter, the German violinist, played a concert of string quartets with three of her young friends, musicians she has mentored. Let me read from the last paragraph of my review. There had to be an encore, and there was. The last movement of Mozart's String Quartet number 2 in D, K-155. Mozart wrote the quartet when he was about 16. His final movement makes a nice encore. Fleet, delightsome, and about a minute and a half. Most of us went home smiling, I think. Here you go. That was the last movement, Molto Allegro, of Mozart's String Quartet number no. 2 in D Major, Köchel 155. Now's the time to give you the performers. You know, I don't know them. They aren't listed with a recording. So the honor goes to Volfi to Mozart, alone. But that was a nice assist from the performers. To say it again, I'm Jay Nordlinger, music critic of the New Criterion, bringing you music for a while. If you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, you may do so via iTunes, Google Play, etc. If you'd like to write to me, the address is nordlinger at newcriterion.com. If you'd like to sponsor the show, please let us know. Vladimir Horowitz, the great pianist, often lamented that no one played Metner Nikolai Metner. He was a Russian composer who lived from 1880 to 1951. He wrote primarily for the piano. Metner has always had a devoted following, and they, we, have always lamented that he is not more frequently played. I was listening to some Metner the other day, played by Horowitz. Oh, it is good. The piece, yes, and the playing, full of character, color, genius. Nikolai Metner wrote 38 pieces he called tales, or fairy tales, we say. This is number three, recorded by Horowitz in 1969. Can you stand it? Can you stand playing so good? We've heard The Fairy Tale number 3 by Nikolai Metner, played, inimitably, by Vladimir Horowitz. Have you heard any good viola jokes lately? That's how I began a recent review. Let me start over. Have you heard any good viola jokes lately? There are lots of them. Sample. Why is lightning like a violist's fingers? Lightning never strikes the same place twice. And a classic. How can you tell whether a violist is playing out of tune? You see his bow moving. These jokes are absurd and unjust, of course. But I have to tell you a story. Years ago, I did a public interview of Lawrence Dutton, the violist of the Emerson String Quartet. I asked... Why do people make viola jokes? He gave a very surprising answer. He said that a lot of second-rate musicians gravitate to the viola, with the first-rate ones gravitating to the violin. Dutton wanted the general standard of viola playing to be raised. I will indulge in one more joke. How do you keep a violin from being stolen? Keep it in a viola case. 2nd raters aside... There are many first-rate musicians playing the viola, and the Chamber Music Society of Lincoln Center hosted a recital by one, Paul Neubauer. I'll stop reading for a bit. Yes, Neubauer played an eclectic recital with the pianist Gloria Chen. It included a familiar piece or two, the Hindemith Sonata, for example, and pieces off the beaten path, way off, and wonderfully off. Let me quote the last paragraph of that review. From the early 1960s to the late 1990s, there was a TV program, ABC's Wide World of Sports. Music is a wide, wonderful world, too, and there is all sorts of repertoire to be unearthed and re-unearthed if it is reburied. During the intermission of the recital, I texted a violist friend of mine to say where I was and what I was hearing. He replied, May you come out of the recital with a renewed love of the best instrument there is. (laughs) Included on the program of Neubauer and Chen were a pair of pieces by Frank Bridge, the English composer who lived from 1879 to 1941. They are called, in fact, Two Pieces for Viola and Piano. The first is Pensiero, Italian for thought. The second is Allegro Appassionato. We will hear the latter piece. I don't have Neubauer and Chen for you, but I have Saba and Reyes. Mark Saba, an American violist, and Elian Reyes, a Belgian pianist. Allegro Appassionato by Frank Bridge, played by Mark Saba and Elian Reyes. Don't be knocking the viola. Don't be knocking Szymanowski, either. Karol Szymanowski, the Polish composer. His dates are 1882 to 1937. In a recent review, I wrote that it had been a good year, a fairly good season, for Szymanowski in Carnegie Hall. Daniel Trifonov, the Russian pianist, played his piano sonata number three. And Nikolai Sheps-Snyder, the Danish violinist, yes, Danish, sometimes the world is turbulent, played his violin concerto number two. The orchestra was the Cleveland, the Cleveland Orchestra, under its music director, Franz Welsermust. Shimonovsky's violin concerto number two dates from 1933. Wonderful, tuneful, intelligent thing. He was an original, Shimonovsky. He had antecedents and influences, yes. But he is always his own man in everything he writes. We will hear the last several minutes of the concerto in question. The violinist is Henrik Schering, the composer's fellow pole. The conductor is another pole, Jan Krentz. The orchestra is the Bamberg Symphony. Violin Concerto No. 2 by Karol Shimanovsky, the last few minutes of it, played by Henrik Schering with the Bamberg Symphony under Jan Krentz. I have a pleasant memory of Schering. As a youth, I heard him play the Beethoven violin and piano sonatas with George Shondor, the Hungarian pianist. They played them in a series of recitals. Actually, the composer himself, Beethoven, designated those sonatas, sonatas for piano and violin, not the other way around. Pianists tend to know that. The Metropolitan Opera staged The Rake's Progress, Stravinsky's neoclassical masterpiece. The opera has a showstopper. Well, more than one, maybe, but I'm thinking of no word from Tom. This is a three-part aria, a study in C major, neoclassical branch, I said in a review. I further said, it is one of the best things in 20th century opera, some of us think. Yep. The libretto of The Rake's Progress is by W. H. Auden and Chester Coleman. The last part of the aria features some memorable love poetry. I go, I go to him. Love cannot falter, cannot desert, though it be shunned or be forgotten though it be hurt. If love be love, it will not alter. And at the very end, time cannot alter, cannot, cannot, cannot alter a loving heart, an ever-loving heart. I'll tell you something about No Word from Tom. Not the aria, but the very words. I have a friend who works in opera, and when he hasn't heard from someone, he'll say, No Word from Tom. We're going to hear a famous recording of the aria made in 1989 by Don Upshaw, the American Soprano. She was just starting out at the time. She was just about the purest, cleanest, most appealing thing going. With her on this recording is the Orchestra of St. Luke's, conducted by David Zinman. We'll hear that final part, I go, I go to him. The aria ends with a famous ninth from a middle B to a high C. Something like, An ever-loving heart. <laughs> well, Dawn will do it much better and higher. Also, note the flying sound through her voice. The sensation of flying as she holds, spins, the high C. That is characteristic of Dawn. Ladies and gentlemen, this is just about the best thing ever. Thanks for joining me. See you later. (laughs)
1: i <laughs>